Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Great to have you this morning. We're so glad you're a part of this. We're continuing our series. We've been in it for a couple of months now. What if Jesus was serious? Now, just to do a quick recap, going all the way back to week one of the series, I started with a series of national surveys that was really taken from non-Christian, non-church-going people that would say over and over, basically, we would take Jesus more seriously, what he said, who he was, if the Christians we knew took Jesus more seriously. Kind of an indictment on those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. So it's one of those things I wanted to kind of take a step back and say, well, it is true. There's a lot of truth in this that if we expect other people to take Jesus seriously, if we really believe that what Jesus taught, who he was, can make not just our life better, to be able to know God and to be able to, it could make our entire world better if people really took him seriously. And we want more people to take him seriously. Then there is a sense in which we need to say, and I will go first because I already claim to be a Christ follower. I am a Christian. So I really ought to be doing these things anyway. And, and it is challenging when you really look at what Jesus said especially places like the Sermon on the Mount, where most famous, longest sermon of Jesus, where he really spells out what does it mean, he's bringing this good news of the kingdom of God that is open to all people, but what does it mean to be a kingdom citizen? What does it mean to really live in the kingdom in a world that is countercultural to the kingdom of God? The kingdom of this world is, is going to cut across that grain constantly. And even how he starts the sermon, he starts by giving us a series of eight Beatitudes, these statements of who is blessed in the kingdom, who is invited, who is included, who, is, who are the ones that the doors of heaven are open up to. And as we read through them, we go, wow, anybody who's honest would say, oh, that's me. It's people that would be willing to say, I'm spiritually bankrupt, or at least I'm willing to say I started in that place. I'm poor in spirit. I am somebody who is humble or who has been humbled by life, somebody who's been brokenhearted. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or people who hunger for justice. You have had injustices done to you. Is that you? He says, the kingdom of heaven is for you. For those of you who would say, I need mercy. I need mercy from God. I need mercy from people. He says, the kingdom of heaven is for you. For those of you who would be willing to say, and I'm in a process of being purified by God, and it isn't fun, and it isn't easy. We talked about that last week. Anybody who's in that process, he says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is for you. And this week, he's going to turn his attention to talking to us about being a peacemaker, a peacemaker. Now, here's what I want to, I want to ask you a question as we get started this morning. Would you consider yourself a peacemaker or a peace faker, all right? I know nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, for sure, a faker, right? Not in church, right? You don't normally want to do that. But let's just talk about it for a second. What's the difference? Because I think there's a lot of confusion around this. Peace faker is somebody who portrays an appearance of peace. Like, 
man, the, the pictures look really peaceful. <laughs> they look really good. But if you knew the reality, there's conflict and strife going on in this family all the time. But all our pictures look really peaceful. Like, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but I'm just saying it's, it's trying to defend an appearance that isn't consistent with reality. Or maybe peacemaker, when we compare that, juxtapose those two together, a peacemaker is someone who is willing to put in the hard work, and it is hard work, and to be, you have to be much more patient to deal with conflict at its source. What is it that has caused the issue between us, and let's talk about it, let's deal with it, let's work through it, and let's do it in a way that is showing dignity, love, kindness, respect, mercy, grace to each other as we work through this. And, and peacemaking doesn't give you the opportunity to ever write somebody off and say, oh, I'm gonna be really nice to their face and tell them, I love you. And behind their back, you're like, I hate you. I don't even wanna talk to you. I don't wanna be around you. That's not being a peacemaker. And we're gonna talk about this this morning because this is such an important part of what it means to be a kingdom citizen, to be a part of what Jesus is doing, especially right now, today, on this earth, in this country, in this state, in this city. It's so important. What's interesting is that this is not a new concept, obviously, that even going all the way back to circa 1450, a theologian by the name of Thomas A. Kempis wrote this very wise statement. All men desire peace. Now, if he was alive today, women, I'm sure he would include you. All men and women, all people desire peace, but very few desire those things that make for peace. And we're gonna talk about today, what are those things that make for peace? This is such an important thing to lock down because Jesus had a lot to say about this. And there's a lot more that Paul expounds on, the Apostle Paul later in the New Testament. So we're going to talk about it. But today, I want to turn our attention first to the seventh of the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. <clears throat> Here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the, and let's read the highlighted words together, all right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, that's a profound statement. Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, that Jesus is saying the peacemakers are called children of God because our heavenly Father is a peacemaker. And according to God, peacemaking isn't merely the avoidance of conflict. That is not peacemaking. Peacemaking isn't trying to avoid the appearance of conflict, trying to portray the appearance of serenity, right? That's peace faking, and that's not what we're talking about today. We need to really take a close look at what does this look like for us? How do we get started in this? So here's the question I want us to begin with today. Where do we begin peace? Making. Where do we begin with that, okay? Now, I want us to take our attention and focus it on a single verse because I think this is a beautiful verse from the Apostle Paul where he encapsulates what is the right approach. What's the first step in this process of beginning to be a peacemaking person, someone who works towards reconciliation with other people? It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. 
And here's how he begins. He says, if it is possible. Now, he's implying a couple things here. First of all, sometimes it's not always possible. <laughs> like, let's be honest. This is not the perfect world. This isn't heaven, right? This is a fallen, broken world. There is sin, and there are people who are just not going to give it up. They're not going to give up their anger, their hatred, their resentment. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes they've even come to the wrong conclusion about you. It's not even based on facts, they're so mad at you, and they're unforgiving towards you, but it's not even true information, but they still won't give it up, right? Sometimes that happens. And this if it is possible statement also means relationships are kind of interesting. When they shatter, when they break, think about like a dish that falls on the floor, it breaks into many pieces, and you and another person are gathering the pieces. You pick up some, they pick up some. The only way to put that plate back together is if both of you bring all of your pieces to the table. If it is possible means you don't hold all the cards or the pieces to this dish. You hold some of them, but they have some too. So there is some responsibility that they're going to have to bring to the table. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. You need to know that everything, Paul is saying here, every, you need to do everything in your power to remove all the obstacles that you possibly can so that peace can happen in the relationship. Now, let me just say, you could remove all the obstacles that you can possibly think of and starting with your own maybe resentment and unforgiveness towards them, that you start working through that and starting asking God to help you to forgive them. And you could remove all of that, and it still doesn't reconcile the relationship. It still doesn't move you towards peace. But by you creating the best environment possible for peace to happen, you will be blessed in the process. Jesus would say, not only will you be blessed, but you have never resembled your family resemblance to your heavenly father more than when you do that. You look like a child of the most high God. It is a beautiful thing and it will bring peace to you and it will bring joy to you and it's gonna change your life, but you gotta be willing to move towards it, all right? So in other words, Paul is saying the peacemaking process, it begins with us. We can't sit with arms folded and say, well, as soon as they get their act together, Will, and they come and apologize, and I mean like a real apology with some tears, and like I really feel like they mean it, like when they finally do that, then I'll be open to do some peacemaking here, okay? That is not what Jesus has called us to do. That is not the kind of approach that Paul calls us to. So I want to talk about a couple of critical decisions, two critical decisions we must make in the peacemaking process, okay? So here's the first one. It is a decision to say, I'm going to get back to them, not get back at them, all right? We got to give up this, I'm going to get back at them. And, and let's just be honest, we all have people that we struggle with wanting to get back at them, we all have people in our family, in our friendship circle, or used to be in our friendship circle, people we used to work around, people we used to do work for, people we used to do business with. We don't really talk to them anymore. We don't like them anymore, right? And I'm talking about Will Lewis too, 
Like, I am, I am working on this in my life, too. I just want you to know, none of us have this all wired and figured out, and this is, like, perfect now, all right? Being a peacemaker is an ongoing daily choice that God cho- used me to be a, a peacemaker, and this is so important. And the reason that we make the decision not to get back at them, but to get back to them, is because this is what our Heavenly Father has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, God the Son, is that God himself, through Christ, has given us the ability to know him through Jesus. And this was Jesus' way of saying, I am coming, and making the first move, I am coming so that you might know God. And in John chapter 3, verse 17, so the verse right after, maybe the most, arguably the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. We're going to look at John 3, 17, which sometimes doesn't get looked at very often, but we're going to take a look at it today. This is what Jesus said. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to, let's say it together, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you see this? It's built into this verse. He did not come to get back at us He came back to get back to us. He came to reconcile, to have peace with us. This is why he came. He came to rescue. It's a rescue mission. That's why Jesus came. He came to rescue us in spite of our behavior, in spite of our sin. And then, as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he turns to all of us, just like he did his 12 disciples, and he says, now come and follow me. I want you to love others the way I have loved you. John 13, 34 through 35. This new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all people, all ethnos, all people groups in the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another the way I have loved you. Like, this is so important. This is a critical part. Jesus was not like, this is optional, right? This is, a, you must take this seriously if you call yourself my follower. So important. And it's so important that later the apostle Paul takes it and he uses it as a critical teaching point to the church in Corinth. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, The Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. This reconcile is just another word for he made peace with us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And if you want to think about it, ministry in another way, and if you're like, well, I'm not a minister, well, think about it like assignment. It is an assignment given from God to all of his people, all of his followers, that we are to continue to offer reconciliation, the message of reconciliation to other people. In other words, what Jesus did for us, we are to do for others. What Jesus did for us, we are to do, we are to be a conduit through which God's peace, his reconciliation, his forgiveness flows to other people. In verse 19, he reiterates this in verse 19. He says <clears throat> that God was reconciling there once again, working, he's peacemaking, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If I'm going to reconcile with you, 
if we're going to have peace, we're going to make peace between us, I have to stop counting your sins against you. And you have to stop counting my sins against me. And we all have them, right? And the person that you're finding it most difficult to make peace with, I bet you this is a sticking point. Hmm, I don't know if I can forgive them. Just as God and Christ forgave you, so we must forgive one another. This is a command straight out of Scripture. Jesus was kidding about this. This is something that we have to do, not just to make peace, but to be able to understand what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. A child of God is learning how to do this. If I'm not gonna reconcile, if I'm not gonna quit counting your sins against you, then we're never gonna get anywhere with peacemaking. It's so important, and it's so interesting because if you think about the essence of what it means to be a Christian, this is the essence, that Jesus came and he plucked the one huge obstacle that was in our way, that was keeping us from reconciling with God, having peace with God, and that is our sin. My sin, your sin, we all needed forgiveness. We needed that sin removed. And Jesus says, and that's what I came to do. And when he came to do it, it opened up this ability to have peace with God, to be reconciled with God. Now he says, now I want you to be conduit through which you can be one who offers that same kind of forgiveness to other people. So it's important that he that we take this seriously. Now, here's the next, the last part of verse 19. He says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So he's committed this message to us to take to the world that we all, all people can be forgiven of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the interesting thing that sort of comes up over and over in the writing of Paul all the way back to Jesus is that if we're gonna take this message of reconciliation peace with God to the world. Doesn't it make sense that we would start with reconciling with the people that are right here in our life, directly in our life? Like, wouldn't that give us more credibility? Wouldn't that allow us to be able to say, and I have done this work, and it's not easy, but it is so worth it, and God will bring great peace and joy and love, and he will, he will manifest his fruit in your life when you finally give this up and say, Lord, I want to work towards peace with this other person in my life, whoever that person is. So the two critical decisions we've got to make, first, that we're choosing to get back to, not get back at, and number two, is that we make the decision to say, I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. It doesn't matter if they hurt you first. It doesn't matter if they ghosted you and abandoned you. They took off on you. As long as you harbor that unforgiveness, that bitterness, jaded, cynical spirit within you, it not only stifles spiritual growth, but it's like a cancer in your own soul, in your heart. And it's something that we must be willing to surrender and give over to the Lord. Now, Jesus gives us a beautiful story, a kind of scenario of of how this happened in the first century. But I think there is so much application for us today. It's over in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. So this is just a little bit later in the same chapter that we get our Beatitudes from, okay? So 
chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, here's what Jesus says. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar. Now, here Jesus is referring to the long and inconvenient trek that most people had to the temple in Jerusalem. They were coming from somewhere around the surrounding community or a surrounding village or, or town, and they were making their trek to the temple in Jerusalem. And it was something they had to give up their whole day. They're, they're, they're dragging their kids along, right? They're having to get through. There's no way to call ahead and make a reservation. There's no fast passes. Like you're going to be in line all day at the temple waiting to bring your gift at the altar. Now what's really interesting here is that Jesus is talking about a kind of offering that's not just, it's not a sin offering. It's not like an offering that you would bring in uh, for forgiveness of sin. This is a, a sacrifice that would express gratitude to God to symbolize a desire to want to draw near to God. In other words, this kind of gift that someone would bring to the altar would be like, we as a family have been praying, praying, praying that God would come through for us in this particular area, and he has, like crazy, like he did a huge miracle. So we wanna go say thank you to God, and this is how they would do it. They would come to the temple, and they would bring a sacrifice, they would bring this to the altar, and so this is what he's talking about. He's like, there you are, you're wanting to draw near to God. This is a good thing. This is a celebratory kind of day. And there you are. And here's the next part of the verse. He says, and there, there you are offering your, your gift. And there remember that your brother or sister has, let's say it together, has something against you. Could Jesus have been any more vague? All right. He was intentionally ambiguous about this. They have something he doesn't say even who's at fault. He's just saying you remember a brother or sister has something against you. They got something against you. We don't know. All we know is things aren't good. This is unresolved conflict that has gone on in your relationship with them. And, and just like today, I'm sure first century people would say, okay, God, I'll deal with it, but I'm going to do it later, right? Right now, I'm drawing near to God. I want to worship him. This is all about me and God right now. But Jesus says in the very next part of the verse, he gives us some specific instructions. He says, leave your gift there in front of the altar, period. First, this is interesting. I'm sure people would say, wait, what? Leave it there and then just go? He's saying first as in what I'm about to tell you is more important than the thing you came to do. It is more important than you bringing your gift, your worship to God. I want you to see this is so important. And then he says, go and be, let's say it together, and be reconciled to them. I want you to go and make peace with them where I'm sure people would say like, okay, wait a minute, Jesus, are you serious? Because this, this kind of feels like you're telling us to put other people before God, which Jesus would say, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. This is how you put God first. It's by reconciling with the people that God loves. This is so important that you would be willing to stop, go, pursue that, Make that right. 
He says, and then come and offer your gift. Like, it's a good thing that you're coming to worship. It's so good. But don't ever think that you coming to worship, just coming to church, it's a wonderful thing. It's so good. He's telling you, come back. Finish what you started, right? Do it. But don't ever think that if you've got this broken relationship with somebody else out there and you've not even tried to be a peacemaker, God's not okay with that. And if you're gonna, and I'm gonna take Jesus seriously, we've gotta be willing to go and try. You see, God wasn't content to just forgive us, but to reconcile with us. This is such an important thing for us to remember. Like, God had all the Old Testament, right? He had been forgiving people from heaven. He didn't necessarily have to come to earth, but he did if he wanted to reconcile with us. Now, forgiveness was a critical first step to reconciliation. We couldn't be reconciled without the forgiveness. Jesus came to offer us forgiveness. His dying on the cross was, there was no other way. That was the only way we could be forgiven. But there was, that's not the end of the sentence. That was a means to an end. And the end that he was trying to give means to was, we can know him, be reconciled to him, have an intimate love relationship that is interactive daily. Every day we get to wake up and live for him, know him, talk to him. We see it reflected in everything Jesus did. Even the prayer he told us to pray. Our Father in heaven, right? Give us today our daily bread. He wouldn't mean for us to pray that once every six months, right? <laughs> he wants us to, there needs to be an ongoing love relationship. And this is, what, this is one of the many beautiful fruits that come from reconciliation, so if we are going to take Jesus seriously, we will become peacemakers by extending forgiveness as a first step towards reconciliation. And here's the really beautiful part. When we do that, as we do that, we will never resemble our heavenly Father more. You will never look more like your Father in heaven than when you're trying to set aside your pride, your ego, you're offering forgiveness, you're showing love even to somebody who's not reciprocating. They're not giving it back. That's okay. It's not a guarantee that you're gonna get peace. It's not gonna be a guarantee that you will reconcile. He's just saying, this is the very best way for you to live. There is no higher or better way for a human being to live on this planet with other human beings than to live like this towards others. And it is what Jesus modeled, it's what he taught, and what he intended for us to take seriously. Now let me just say, <clears throat> those of you who may not be Christians today, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, we're so glad you're listening to this message so thankful to God that you're taking a few moments to listen to this. But let me just ask you to think about something right now. Consider this. And this is, let me just say up front, it's hard to see in ourselves. It's hard to recognize this in ourselves. But I've talked to enough people and heard enough stories about how people's faith has been broken from God. It almost always, not, not every time, but many times, it is attached to a broken relationship. 
It's somebody did you wrong. It's somebody who hurt you. Somebody turned their back on you. Somebody who betrayed you that represented in your mind somehow God and all church and the whole thing, right? And you have walked away and thought, irrelevant, I don't want it, hurts too bad. But let me just say, that pain that you associated with that person You ascribed it to God, but it doesn't belong to him. This was not what he did to you. It's what someone did to you. And I want to encourage you today. Would you be open, willing to reconcile, beginning that relationship with God himself? And and even if you're a believer here today, maybe you have been like, yeah, I've been a Christian when I was a kid, but I feel like I have drifted away from God and, and consequently, you feel like you have drifted and you've got a lot of these kind of relationships that fit into this category of something, somebody's got something against you, you got something against somebody else, and you ought to be pursuing on some level reconciliation and peacemaking with them. Let me just encourage you, let's start first. Now, I, I want so badly for you to be able to have peace between you and your brother or sister or your mother or your father or a work associate, or wherever that break happened in the relationship. But before any of that, let me just say, I want to encourage you to be reconciled to God, to come take that step of faith towards him, receive whatever forgiveness you need, and begin to walk in that intimacy of reconciliation with God every day. And it will supply you the power you need to be the kind of peacemaker he's called you to be. I love how Paul, he's so direct here, but in verse 20 of that little passage we were looking at earlier in 2 Corinthians 5, he says it this way. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be, let's say it together, be reconciled to God. Like, come on, people, (laughs) be reconciled. He's done everything. He's removed every obstacle. He has made the environment perfect for this reconciliation, for peace to happen. What are you waiting on? Ball's in your court. You have the next move. God's sitting here with his arms open wide saying, this is why my son came, so that you might know me. And what are you gonna do? How does that happen? Maybe that's your question. Romans chapter five, verse one, I love how Paul puts it. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justified means to be declared righteous. It's a legal term, not guilty. All the charges that have been brought against you that were legitimately things that you have done, he did the time, he paid the price. You do the crime, you're supposed to do the time, but he did it for you. He took the penalty in your place. And now his righteousness can become yours before God. What a gift. Wow. We have, let's say it together, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we have peace. This is how he's made peace. That through faith today, you can receive Jesus Christ you can radically change your life. You can begin to experience that reconciliation with God that comes only through Christ. And I want to encourage you today, for those of you who maybe have done this, and then now it needs to travel outside of you into the relationships 
in your life that have been broken, hurt. The people that are coming to mind right now, the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind, you remember him, you remember her, they've got something against you. You've got something against them. It's broken, it's not good, there's tension. There is issues that need to be addressed. Will you be willing to do that? Here's our prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Heavenly Father, help me not to be content to merely avoid conflict. Like, well, if I could just kind of stay away from it and keep it at arm's length, it's not okay. But to take the next step towards peace. And maybe that next step is forgiving them. It's reaching out to them. It's making a phone call. It's going to visit them in person. And, and depending on how long it's been since you've done this, that other person might not sure, be sure what you're doing, all right? And you may have to just tell them, I've waited too long to do this. I need to talk to you. I want this to be better. I want us to have what we used to have. I want us to have a good relationship. And there's no way we're gonna get there unless we talk about it, all right? And finally, I will begin with you, Lord, and maybe that's where some of you need to begin right now. I want you to go into a moment of prayer with me, these next couple of moments actually, where we're gonna talk to God about this issue. Would you be willing just to open your heart up and just say, God, first of all, I wanna have peace between us. I place faith in Jesus so that I might receive the righteousness of Christ to be justified. Would you just pray that right now? Let's go before him right now. Lord, I just pray for every person in the room that has a big question mark. There is doubt. There is uncertainty about how and where they stand with you right now. All across this room, would you be willing just to say, God, please forgive me. Would you remove the obstacle of my sin that is keeping me from knowing you? And God promises. Jesus declared, this is the reason for which I have come, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That you may know that you have eternal life. Would you just ask him, Lord, I, I'm asking you to forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. I want to be reconciled to you I want there to be peace between me and my God. Would you pray that right now? Have the courage, the guts to say, yes, God, I want that. Would you ask him right now, forgive my sin, Lord. Be the leader and Lord of my life from this day forward. I'm sick of living in this turmoil of irreconcilable differences between us. It's just not true. We can be reconciled. If you just ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand as an act of faith right now? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody here? I'm asking Jesus. God bless you, ma'am. I see you right there. Anybody else? God bless you. The two of you right here in front of the booth, right back over here. God bless you. Sir, I see you right there. Anybody else? Praise God. I see you right over here, ma'am. Father in heaven, thank you for the life change that's happening in this place right now. God, I just thank you so much that when we begin to take you seriously, 
we immediately see the power of your Holy Spirit at work in our life. It is so beautiful. And I pray we would keep taking steps, even if they're little baby steps, taking steps to obey and follow you day after day. You may lower your hands. And I pray, God, for all those in the room that would say, I am a believer, but God has clearly put on my mind and heart somebody I need to reach out to as soon as possible. And if you would be willing to say, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to take that first step towards reconciliation and making peace. I want to pray for you right now. Would you just lift your hands saying, well, that's me. I'm asking God's help. I pray, God, for all the hands going up here, across the front, up in the balcony, anybody else. Father, I pray for every sincere, open heart. You say the kingdom of heaven is for such as these. Thank you, God. I pray, Father, that today we would put these good intentions into actions. They wouldn't die here in these seats in this room, but that they would carry us forward in faith and in obedience as we take steps closer to our God by obeying him, putting him first, taking him serious. We love you. We praise you, Jesus. And may you help us to carry out these acts of obedience we have committed to you today. We pray it all in the incredible name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Join us next week as we wrap this whole series up. It'll be our last one. Have a great week. We'll see you then. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.